This week's episode of Finding Demo Surfishing is being brought to you by Ninja Tackle. Head on over to ninjatackleva.com and take a look at all the rods, reels, rigs, bait options that they have available. Ninja rods are excellent. I have one, two, three, four, I believe. Four of them, weathering from my 12-footers down to my nine and my seven. Uh, there may be something more coming in the future. We will. There'll be another episode. We'll talk about that. But head on over to ninjatackleva.com and pick yourself up on all that equipment and gear. I assure you, you won't be sorry. This week on Finding Demo Surfishing, throwing you a big curveball. We are going on a big trip. Yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to the Pacific Ocean. We're going out to California. This week, we are talking with Mr. Vincent Chiofalo of Vince Goes Fishing and Battlestar Tackle. So I hope you're ready because this one is going to be packed full of new cool knowledge. You're listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. Here we go. <laughs> New week. Hope you are doing well wherever you are. It is unfortunately a rainy, thundery day here in Florida, so hopefully you won't hear it too much in the background. And uh, hopefully I have better control of my audio over the last week's episodes. <laughs> Apologize for that. Yeah, thanks, Ninja Tackle, for taking care of me and taking care of this show and the episodes. I uh, appreciate you. Really excited to have you on board. It's always fun to be able to talk to you and talk gear. So, like I said, ladies and gentlemen, this week we are talking with Vince Chiofalo, also known as Vince Goes Fishing on YouTube. He also runs Battlestar Tackle. Lots of cool stuff in there for you to take a look at, and he's got a bunch of new things that are coming out. So, yeah, if you're looking for some new gear, that's, that's definitely a cool way to go is to take a look over there. So, without further ado and me flapping my jibs all this time, let's welcome to the show. Vince, welcome. Appreciate you coming on, man. Hi, Brian. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah, I've been following you for a while, so I'm, I'm really glad that my stalking paid off that you're finally here. <laughs> oh, thank you. So you're out west. Um, you're, yeah. You're out in central California now, is that correct? Yeah, San Luis Obispo. Just got here four months ago. So for people that don't know the west coast very well, give us some reference points. Where, where Whereabouts? Are we talking San Francisco, uh, north of I know you're north of L.A., but whereabouts are we looking at? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're in Los Angeles, you go. You can go north to Ventura. Uh, another 30 minutes, you're in Santa Barbara. And then an hour and a half north of there, you're in San Luis Obispo. So I'm still a good distance away from san francisco i'm like i think i'm like four hours south of san francisco mm -hmm. yeah it's funny when I, it, we and i were talking pre-show about california I was, for those of you who didn't know i was stationed out in california my entire time in the marine corps down in southern california and it's kind of funny vince and i both have the same prefix in our area code uh we we both were literally within probably stone's throw distance of each other for years and didn't know it uh, and it's, it's kind of a small world, but California is such a long coastline. There's so many beaches to fish and all that. Uh, it, it's it's so fun to hear you tell me about the things you were telling me about where you where you were and where you've been fishing. I'm really excited to talk about those. Yeah, yeah, let's 
get into it. All right. Um, so, do you have any questions for me, or do you want me to just tons. tell you my story? Or? Well, that's actually where we're going to go with. So let's start. Let's go with that. Tell us your story, your fishing story, how you got there. Give us the whole thing, man. Don't hold back. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, in 2015, I moved up to Washington State to fish and live off the land. I wanted the rivers, the trees. I wanted to uh, wild forage food and just kind of needed to start my life over, a nice fresh start. So I moved to Washington State. I spent five years there. And at the end of that, I had realized that I was pretty disappointed with the long winters and the lack of fishing opportunities in my backyard. There was certainly like steelhead and trout to go after in the wintertime, but that requires a long drive. And I kind of love to fish in my backyard. Um, I, the reason I fish, I'm a sustenance fisherman, I'm fishing for food, and I'm interested in connecting with my human nature, doing behaviors that our ancestors did, which would be to harvest their own food within five miles of their home. So that's kind of what I'm interested in doing is harvesting my own food within five miles of my home. So I was disappointed with the experience in the winter times up there. They were long, cold winters. And all that I was doing is I was watching YouTube, watching these guys having fun on their kayaks and fishing on the surf in California. And they're these long winters that they had, you know, much longer seasons and more variety of species. And I was just so jealous. And I just decided, all right, well, you only live once, it's time to move again. So I moved to Ventura in 2020 in the midst of the COVID-19 thing. I got, I found myself in Ventura. I had San Buenaventura in my backyard and that's when I started surf fishing. So that's kind of my story of how I got started. Um, initially I didn't Know what the heck I was doing you know I was just taking advice from people on Facebook to fish Carolina rig with sand crabs try to catch perch and stuff um, I immediately realized I needed to find a, a mentor to model you know someone who is successful at catching the kind of fish that I wanted to catch that would take me under their wing and see if they could teach me how to catch fish the way they do you know let's see if, if you can do what I do if you do it the way I do it you know, kind of just model their success. So it was kind of an experiment in success modeling, which is something that I was introduced to years and years prior. So I found myself a mentor, uh, David Ciordia. I saw him posting pictures of halibut. He would send me messages and say, yeah, I caught 12 halibut today. And I'm like, how in the world are you doing that? I've never even seen one halibut on the surf since I started fishing out here, you know, six months ago. How are you catching 12 of them? So he taught me what baits to use, what to look for, what structure to look for, and how to find my own spots. And so that winter, I went out, scouted my own spots just the way he told me to. I just covered miles and miles of beach. You know, I'd walk this many miles on this day, and the next day I'd go out and walk the next so many miles, and the next day I'd go out and walk the next so many miles. So I literally walked the entire counties of Ventura, Santa Barbara, you know, over the years at low tide just to see every bit of the beaches for myself and take notes on what where I thought might be good spots and then I kind of zero in on those spots. So he kind of taught me how to how to just get out there and put in the the time and the energy and what to look for 
And I went and did it, and I found spots, and I found fish all over the place. I started catching like crazy. So as soon as I landed in California and started fishing, I started my own little YouTube channel, Vince Goes Fishing. All I had was my iPhone, and I didn't know what I was doing, so the, the whole premise is just, you know, I'm going to learn how to catch fish in the surf here in California, and I'm going to share my learning experience with you on YouTube so you can learn with me. Because we probably have a lot of the same questions, you know. Sometimes it's hard for an expert to <laughs> explain things to a beginner because they forget what it's like to be a beginner. So I thought, well, that's an advantage as a beginner. I'll just share my perspective as a beginner. I'm sure a lot of people out there have the same questions that I have, and they'll they'll want to learn what I learn as I learn it as we go along together. And most of all, I think people just want to get the sense that they're that someone's taking them fishing when they're watching a YouTube video. They just want to get the sense that like they're having this vicarious fishing experience, like they're actually getting to go fishing. So I try to create that experience in my videos um, so that you get to sort of vicariously go fishing, even if you can't. Even if you're stuck in Washington in the middle of winter or for whatever reason, if you can't go fishing, you can always just push play on my YouTube videos and go fishing and kind of have that experience. So... Um, Started the channel and started joining started joining Facebook groups all around me, all the surf fishing groups, and very quickly realized that I was that my YouTube videos were kind of resented. <laughs> People, a lot of the admins wow. didn't want me sharing my YouTube videos <laughs> in their groups. They were they didn't want that, so I was kind of being censored a bit here and there and getting messages. Um, and I was like, oh man, this is a bummer. I just want to make videos and share them with people. What's the big deal? So um, I started my own my own surf fishing group, you know, where I figured people like me will be able to share their videos or or talk about really share anything, share any links you want. I wanted to give people freedom, you know, the freedom that I didn't have. So I just started a surf fishing group called California Surf Fishing, and it took off. I think you know you can't go wrong with a name like that. So. It's just such a generic name. It's just a good brand. We made a nice logo for it, and um, the group blew up, and we're a great community. Um, I'm, like, firmly founded on my values um, of respect is number one. You know, everyone here respects everyone, and any comments otherwise will be removed. Yep. So people feel safe in the group. People feel really safe and comfortable. They can be goofy. They can be themselves. They're not going to get humiliated or made fun of or attacked in any way you know even if you make a mistake or you're stupid or whatever there's a lot of grace to go around in the group we just we know you're human and we want to respect you as such so that's kind of our values and the group is firmly based in those values and everybody knows it so it's a really cool group for that reason, you know. There's a lot of there's a lot of warmth and, and friendliness, and I just love the group. I love the people in our group. I'm just so grateful for everyone in the group. And because here I am, you know, bouncing around from. I lived in Ventura for the first year, and then I, and then I learned, you know, I learned how to halibut fish, and I moved to Santa Barbara for a year, where I lived with my fishing mentor. Um, and then now I moved to San Luis Obispo. I'm sort of making my way up the coast, <laughs> if you yeah. will. And so I'm alone a lot. I'm kind of alone. I've always been a loner my whole life. You know, maybe that's why I took such an interest in fishing. At like seven, eight years old, we moved to a lake in California. 
And I was just walking around the edge of the lake every day, taking pictures of fish and ducks and trying to catch fish with my fishing pole. And that was my first exposure to fishing. Um, and so I'm kind of a loner. And so it's great to have a group and a bunch of friends that are surf fishermen to always be communicating, you know, what's up today, what's going on today, and celebrating our, our exciting catches and sharing our suffering and our struggle and our confusion and our failures and being there for each other and stuff it's such a cool cool thing to have the buddies the friends that i make it's really like a family to me um so i've got the surf fishing group and then as i was learning to fish through ventura and santa barbara to catch halibut halibut really quickly became my favorite target i got hooked quick on halibut like it, it really is an addiction. Um, I love fishing structure. So I, I grew up as a teenager fishing in Canyon Lake on my float tube for largemouth bass. And we always fished Texas rig plastic worms. And it was all about the docks and the trees and the bluffs and the rocks and the drop-offs and the channels and the structure, you know? So there's something about structure that excites me. And so people will invite me to go fishing on their boats. And I'm like, no, man. I mean, how much are you going to pay me? I don't want to get on a boat. I want to fish. <laughs> you know, if you pay me enough, I'll get on your boat maybe. But I'd rather be on the beach walking long distances of beach and looking at the contour of the beach and looking at the, the drop-offs and the sand and the rocks and the kelp and trying to figure out where the fish are going to be. It's like I'm hunting on foot. And so that's kind of like my addiction. And if you like that style of fishing where you are like a predator and you're, you know, you're yeah. stalking the fish, then I think you'll love halibut fishing because you can just grab one lightweight, medium weight rod. I'm sorry, like a medium heavyweight rod, but it's, it's lightweight and just pound miles of surf in your waders or your booties or whatever and go hunting for fish. So yeah, I love halibut fishing. So as I was doing it, I was running into problems. I was running into the problem of dirty water mostly, and I was running into the problem of snagging and losing my lures a lot too. And I literally have a, one of my fishing video episodes ends with me showing video of rocks, and I'm asking the audience, I'm just asking my, my audience, like, how do you guys fish these rocks without getting snagged and losing your lures? I can't sleep at night because I'm laying there in my bed trying to problem solve that and figure that out. I'm like, well, I could fish a topwater lure that dives, but all my, all, everything was just diving right into the rocks and getting stuck. So as a result of the dirty water and the snags, I started fishing Texas rig, which is what I always did. Grown, you know, fished, that's how I fished for largemouth bass as a kid, fishing all that structure. So it kind of just made sense. I just didn't see anybody doing it. I never saw anyone do it before. So um, it was my fishing mentor, David Ciordia, that recommended it. He said, you know, fish. He 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 loves um, he loves jig heads and swim baits, like big swim baits, um, and he loves jerk baits and also Texas rig. He fished Texas rig. So when he mentioned it, I said, okay, I'm going to try that. I'm going to try to fish the Texas rig. And initially I was fishing way too heavy, like five eighths of an ounce, three quarters of an ounce, just because I thought I had to cast really far and so unnecessary. But 
I wasn't catching fish. I was still snagging on bottom. And I was just ha- kind of having a meltdown one day because I kept snagging over and over. And then it dawned on me. I thought, why don't I take off this three-quarter ounce that's dragging so heavily on the bottom and cut it in half and just put three-eighths of an ounce and just go light. I've never fished that light before with the Texas rig. But if I do that, it'll sink through the water column half as fast, you know, a lot slower. And as a result, I can slow down my retrieve and maybe just kind of drag this stuff, my bait gently over the bottom without dragging through it so and getting snagged on it. And as soon as I tied on that three-eighths of an ounce Texas rig and started uh, just doing that slow roll and just sort of swimming it through the column, sort of bouncing it off the bottom gently, um, I just started... I stopped snagging rocks and I started catching fish and it's just been a wide open like wide open just like trophy catches one after the next it seems on on so many occasions I've caught so many big halibut and so many halibut and white sea bass along the way and calico and rockfish it was just like the dam just broke and I just started catching all these fish when I started fishing that way um so of course, I'm share I'm shared in all that in like Vince Ghost Fishing YouTube channel and um, the California Surf Fishing Group. So people were seeing me catch a lot of fish, and then people were like, "Dude, <laughs> we should try this three eight ounce Texas rig thing." And if you go on the CSF group, you'll see fishing report after fishing report of guys fishing the exact same way with the weighted swim bait hook and the quarter ounce bullet weight on top with like a Kitek rib bait or something like that. Um, or just like whatever plastic you like to use. And we all catch a ton of fish like that. And it, it really is the best way to fish through heavy kelp, rocks, eelgrass, just any kind of heavy structure stuff. Um, and lightweight is the ticket. I think for two reasons. It doesn't snag as much. And it falls so slowly. It's a really deadly presentation when the when a halibut is laying on the bottom and it sees something just kind of fall to the hit the water and then fall slowly to the bottom like that. I think it finds it sort of irresistible. Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you continue, you said something that I, I like, I got to back up because so sure. the, the 3.8 was great. And I was like, dude, that's smart. I mean, totally brilliant right there. Way to change your game and it paid off. But you said something about a quarter ounce. What, what was that? Oh, well, that's the quarter ounce bullet weight that goes on top. Okay, See, if okay. If your hook has an eighth of an ounce on it, it's like a weighted swim bait hook made for Texas rig. Then you throw a quarter ounce bullet weight on top. Now you've got a total of three eighths of an ounce weight. Sometimes I'll fish a total of a half ounce, but I find myself going back to that three eighths ounce and having the most success with that. Wow! So you're not and just so throwing a three eighths jig head. I mean, you're you you're you're doubling it up here. You're basically making math work with two different sets of weights to give you that other action because that bullet weight's going to slide forward because it's not attached. I'm so glad that we're, I'm so glad that we're talking about this. this is so much fun for me to talk. <laughs> I have spent, spent so many hours and so many days and so many months fishing every different combination of hook sizes, hook weights, you know, different or- orientations. Should, the, should there be more weight here, less weight there? You know, just to figure out what's the best way to do this. And the rig that I fish, I'll tell you right now, it's the, I like the um, VMC drop dead hook. It's a super long shank hook and it's a five aught and it's got an eighth of an ounce of weight on the hook. And then I throw the quarter ounce on top. Now the thing is, 
I really want more weight on the on the hook. I've experimented with this. I've I ordered tons of those hooks without the weights, and I started putting my own weights on them to experiment. So I tried a quarter ounce on the hook. I tried a three eighths ounce on the hook. I tried even a half ounce on the hook. And I'm finding that when you put more weight on the hook, it's it totally changes the way it falls through the water. Right. Um, the more weight you put on the hook, the more of a horizontal glide it's going to have, and it's going to it's going to make its way to the bottom a lot slower, and it's going to want to like actually move somewhere horizontally. On a tight taut line, it'll be coming towards you as it slowly makes its way to the bottom. Um, so there is a balance here, though. I like to have a little bit of weight in the front. So what what I, I found what would probably be best is the quarter ounce on the hook and the eighth ounce bullet weight at the nose. And that's kind of like my favorite, favorite orientation. So I'm per- now Battlestar Tackle is now producing those exact hooks. You know, we're getting the VMC brand long shank hook, shank hook, the same one that the drop bed is made with, but we're putting our Battlestar weights on it. So it'll, we're going to have that hook with quarter ounce weight on the hook three-eighths weight on the hook and half ounce weight on the hook so you can fish from quarter ounce to half ounce with or without bullet weights and just kind of change it up just however you need to to fight the wind or the current or whatever um and i know a lot of my buddies are going to go straight for that half ounce and just fish it just like that and it'll be great it'll fish it'll fish really well there's no doubt in my mind but um we're working on making those hooks and with a nice big Rib bait is the way I like to fish. So I'm talking about like the Kytec Fat 4.8 inch is my go-to in sight flash. That's white and clear with sparkle. That's like my favorite swim bait. Um, I also really like the Strike King Rage Swimmer. I think it's called a Rage Swimmer Tail. And that comes in 4.75 inch, and the color of choice would be green pumpkin as a white belly and a dark green back. And, um, yeah, those those are great baits. So, uh, naturally, Battlestar Tackle is going to be producing rib baits in 5 inch here this year. So, we'll have them in, like, similar color schemes, very similar, similar color schemes, but our, our own proprietary colors. That's awesome, brother. Way to go. I mean, yeah. And Thanks. that's, I mean, you, you you hit the epitome of everything that one would ever hope for when it comes to fishing. It's like, well, this isn't working. What do I do? I mean, you found a mentor. That was huge. A lot of guys, um, whether they'll admit it or not, I will be the first to admit I've done it. It's never a bad thing to have somebody to look up to and to be able to contact and say, hey, man, what the hell am I doing wrong? Because how do you well, even better question? What do you do? That's right. How do you do it? <laughs> exactly. It's like, just show me the way, man. I, I just, I don't want to be you. I kind of want to be like you and be better than you, but damn. But I mean, you found a mentor and the even more kudos to David about this was he actually responded and was one of those kind of guys that was willing to share. That's huge. I'm so grateful for this guy. He's just one of the best friends I've ever had in my life so generous with his knowledge and giving me you know like a room for rent so i could live in santa barbara and fish those beaches and he's just always just been the most generous person and so so cool to be around and 
very respectful. So I'm just so grateful that I met that guy. Really life-changing. And I do want to recommend and suggest that all fishermen seek mentors. Anytime there's some kind of new form of fishing that you want to do, a new species, a new location, go ahead and find someone in that location that's catching that species and make a friend because that's the probably the greatest gain we can get out of fishing is the friendships that we form and the the quality of the connections that we you know we kind of kind of culture our community the way we choose to in life and so um i i never see competition in the world i've ne- i don't know why maybe i'm weird but i've never seen anyone as competition i've always seen like how can we help each other like we're yeah. both here Let's help each other. So um, that's kind of my whole psychology with all of my projects. California Surf Fishing, I'm constantly telling people, if there's anything I can do to help you guys, your organization, your, your company, whatever it is, tell me. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll share it with the group. I'll make a commercial to put at the end of my fishing videos. Whatever I can do to just like help everyone, that's that's what I like to do. And if we, if we all kind of have that mentality i think we'll all, we'll all get along a lot better and yeah. probably be a lot more successful at everything that we do yeah yeah you're right i did kind of hit the jackpot i got a mentor i um and the thing about having a mentor is they have a proven strategy that works so if you do exactly what they do you should probably get the same results um if you think the way they think and do what they do this is all like NLP Tony Robbins stuff we're talking about you know if you do what they're what they do you'll probably get the same results but from there once you get your own experience you're going to discover things that they never discovered because you're going to have your own experience so you know I I was able to improve things in my own way I found the super long shank VMC hooks I discovered that that was getting the most hook sets and landing the most fish like my my hook set ratio went up my the amount of halibut I was landing went way up so the hooks were just working better and um i figured out that if i slowed down my retrieve to like a crawl and just slow it down as much as possible i get the most bites and the biggest halibut tend to bite i don't know if it's like the dominant halibut the big female is like hey if it moves slow it's for me you little boys can go chase the rest of the bait but if it's an easy meal you better save it for me (laughs) i don't know if that's what's going on down there but that's what i think is going on because yeah, we run into that a little bit there. But while you're saying that, you 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 pause at the perfect time for me. Bait check. Twenty five minutes into the show, ladies and gentlemen, so this is your first bait check. Bring that line back in. Double check your bait. Make sure it's good to go. Throw a new one on if you need to. Double check everything you've had. Hopefully, you got a bunch of fish already in the cooler, and you're ready to get yourself family, you and your family fed. Hopefully, it worked out. This this wow, I can't even talk. <laughs> this bait check has been brought to you by Fish Bites. Head on over to fishbites.com and take a look at all the gear that they have available. You've got the fishing strips that you can use for your set rigs. They've got the Dirty Boxer and the Fight Club series. I love the Fight Club series. It's completely and totally infused with scent. And again, like you've heard in my Fish Bites episode, almost completely biodegradable. The only thing it isn't is the glitter. That's the only other bad part, but hey. Everything else, that's good stuff. Lots of scent in the water, great action, and a wonderful set of lures to use. You can also take a look at their tackle shop and a liar's club and find whatever gear you might need for your next outing. If you're in the St. Augustine area, head on into the tackle shop and go get yourself set up. And if you need to order, head to your local tackle shop, pick up your fish bites, or order from fishbites.com. Thanks, fish bites. Appreciate you. 
All right, back into this. So, monster on the halibut. I'm gonna move us a little bit here. I'm gonna kind of, I'm gonna try to change gears on you a little bit. Um, and I don't want to take away with where you were at with the mentor because we're definitely gonna get back to that. Um, but let's get into this real quick. So, where in California do you like to fish? Now, I don't want your spots, but what, what sort of cities? Uh, where do you look to enjoy go fishing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, and you know. Um... I'll just go ahead and tell you my favorite counties to fish are Santa Barbara and Ventura. Those are um, the reason I like Santa Barbara is because it's so protected south of Point Conception and it's got those big islands in front of it that the waves are subdued. So you're going to have very and it's south facing, you know, it's a south facing county and it's totally protected. So the waves are really small. And that's that's where I like the structure is really heavy. <laughs> that's what I like. <laughs> so you fish primarily lure and swim. You're not doing set rigs. You're you're out there on your waders and you're doing the retreat. Yeah. Yeah. I'll um I'll put on my stocking foot waders, my boots. Uh, I got a backpack with a chest pack that clips together. So I got all everything I need to reach is right in the front up high where it's easy to get. I got my GoPro on my shoulder. Um, I'm geared up, you know, with the hoodie and the hat, so I stay out of the sun. I got gloves on my hands to stay out of the sun. So I can really last out there. I can fish for four hours, six hours, eight hours, and not fry from the sun. I got, you know, I'm, I'm, I can I can go long hours out there. So what I'll do is I like to hit the beach and fish maybe two miles of it. Like I'll, if, if there's a nice long stretch and I know there's going to be good spot after good spot after good spot, I'll just fish the whole thing. I'll go and I'll spend – a few minutes here and then walk down the beach to the, you know, I'm reading the water, reading the structure. And what I like to do is go back to that same two mile stretch and do it again and again and again and again and fish it in low tide after low tide after low tide. So I get so familiar with the structure on that beach and every spot that it just becomes like a home to me, you know, and, and, and I just love going back and hitting those spots over and over and just finding out where are the fish today. I caught one over here. I caught one over there. I caught three of them right here. Um, that's my favorite favorite way to fish. Nice, oh, dude. That's awesome. That's doing your homework right there and crushing it. So, um, well, how do you plan your day to go fishing? How do you plan it out? Um, that's an interesting question. How do I plan it? You know, it all starts with a target. So, based on the area that I'm in, like I'm in Slow County now. You know, San Luis Obispo. You got to consider your fishery. Um, the halibut fishing from shore up here is so slow that it's kind of almost not even worth doing there's a few guys having success in small areas here and there and i'll probably go chase them once a week but in reality you know you got to consider your return on investment and so there's the the fishery here is all about barred surf perch we get like upwards of 16 and 17 inch barred surf perch you can get into wide open bites go home with 10 big surf perch on your stringer um so that's the fishery that i have in my backyard within five miles so that's where i'm gonna go to get my food and that's what I'm doing. Um, so I think, you know, consider what's available to you in your area. Like, I mean, if you're willing to get in a car and drive really far, then you can, you can go fish for anything you want. But I like to fish in my backyard. So I'm, so I'm looking at what's available in my backyard. And if I'm in San Luis, that's surf perch. If I'm in Santa Barbara, that's halibut, and rockfish, and maybe a white sea bass if I'm lucky. Um, so I choose a target species based on my zone, where I'm at. And then I'll usually look at Google Maps and try to figure out, okay, what is the structure of the beaches and what stretch of beach do I want to go scout? 
um, I'll find like a two or three mile stretch of beach that looks like the number one area that I need to check out first. And then I'll go hit it at low tide, look for the first minus tide I can get out there so I can start studying it and just start taking notes. And um, as I find deep holes next to shallow spots, wherever there's a drop off, I mean, that's like the, that is like the number one tip I could give you for, for studying structure as you're looking for, for spots to catch fish and just in general, you got to find the drop offs, find where the, where there's deep troughs next to shallow sandbars or reefs that drop off into sandy bottoms, wherever there's a, there's a deep drop off close to shore, that's probably going to be a good spot. So go ahead and figure out what your landmark is, whether it's a tree that's behind you or a mountain behind you or a house or whatever, write it down, take some pictures, and then go back and fish that spot again and again so you figure out if there are fish living there and if they are biting. So um, I like to mark 10 or 20 spots like that on a beach and then go back and fish them all over and over and see where it produces and when it produces in what conditions. So that's kind of how I plan my fishing. If that Does that answer your question? Yes, sir. Absolutely does. I mean, you, you crushed part of the next one, too. Is what the next one I was going to ask you is, you know, when you get to the beach, how do you select your spot? And you just nailed it. You know, you're looking for those drop-offs. You're looking for the rocks. You're looking for the structure. You're watching the waves, how they move. Basically, mm-hmm. any, anything else that you want to throw in there of how you select your spots? Those drop. That's it, man. Those drop-offs. Then okay. um, every beach is different. You know, like... If I go south from here, there's sand, totally sandy beaches where there's a lot of contour, like really deep cuts with really high sandbars. It's, it's almost scary. to. It is scary to wade out there because um, if the tide is rising, you might not be able to get back. Yeah, you're going to have to run. <laughs> you got to make sure you get through that, get back to shore before the tide rises too much. But um. And, you know, up north over here, their beaches are in, like, Pismo. The beaches are really shallow. So so on a really shallow beach, if you have a hole, a deep hole somewhere, that's a, that's a that's really dramatic feature on that beach, on that stretch for, stretch for that whole stretch of a mile of a beach. That's a really dramatic feature. You can pretty much guarantee that a lot of fish are going to stack up there at some point. Um, but if I go south, the beaches are so contoured that it's a little different, you know. Um, I don't know. In a beach like that, I might just go out at low tide and hit all those deep spots uh, and just hit them all. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it's, you know, you just always got to, like, use your brain, I guess. Just, <laughs> <laughs> you just got to use your eyes, use your brain, um, and just get out there and just try to find them. I mean, and you're going to feel lost, too. I feel lost at times. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where I'm at. But, I must be the worst fisherman, but everybody feels like that sometimes, I think. Yeah, it's a And then you go and catch a, you catch a gnarly mess of fish, and you're like, all right, I'm not so bad at this after all. I <laughs> yeah. can find them. I'll find them once in a while. Those are the best days. It's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> it definitely builds the con- boosts the confidence. <laughs> yeah. Got to have that redemption once in a while. So you started opening up a little bit um, earlier. You started talking about gear. So when you go out, what gear or equipment do you bring with you? Oh yeah, just I got my waders, my boots, my backpack, chest pack. Um, I wear a hooded jersey. Um, I wear gloves. I'm trying to just block up a gator. My gator's got to be breathable. Um, you know, some gators are made out of like some thick material, and you can't oh, breathe yeah. through them. Those are harsh. Fog up your glasses. Yeah. So I like a breathable gator, so I can breathe right through it. Um, the hat. 
I might put sunblock on my face still if I'm going to be out there for more than a couple hours. Um, so just block up and stay light. I like to stay light. Um, I prefer to just have one rod. My, my rod is a nine foot six. Well, it's a Daiwa North Coast medium heavy nine foot six. And it's just the only rod I've ever would ever really need to have. I just love it. I catch everything with it. It's, I, I love it just the way it is. So, um, and then just a reel that's going to be able to hold up in the elements, like a, um, something that's sealed in one way or another. Um, I like the Daiwa Fuego pretty well, but it's it has been finicky. So um, now I'm using the Quantum Reliance, which is a really good value reel. It's only like 7500 bucks, and it puts up it puts up pretty dang well. I gotta say, for the price, I think it's the best value. I do own a Shimano Vanford, which is like a $250 reel, which is I'm ne- I'll probably never spend that much on a reel again. Unless one of these days I buy a van stall for 500 bucks, you know, that <laughs> yeah. is tempting. You know, I might like to get one of those one of these days. But um, for value, I think the Quantum Reliance reel has the best that I've discovered so far. And uh, Daiwa North Coast rod is only like 75 bucks, so it's it's a really good good value too. Nice man. What are you using for weight, your waders and boots? Wait, oh, do you? Yeah, I really like my corkers. You know, I was initially just buying really cheap boots, you know, $40 boots, um, and they they blow out. They fall apart. They rust. They're, and you know, they don't protect your boot, your stocking foot boots as good, too. So a good pair of quality pair of boots is going to protect your stocking foot waders and prevent them from leaking. Um, so get a good pair of boots. The corkers are wonderful because you can change the soles in like 30 seconds and they're really supportive and a great price too. I think mine were like 130 bucks. So definitely worth it for those boots. Um, the waders, I just, you know, I've got a pair of Allen waders right now and they've lasted me already over two months without any leaks so I think that's pretty good. You know, if, if you if you spend about 100 bucks on waders and they last you three months, I think you're doing pretty good. you got to just yeah. take care of them, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely important. Rinse them down, make sure that's all. You know, got to do that preventative maintenance after you're done. Oh, definitely. I always just fill up a five-gallon bucket full of fresh water and just dunk everything, get all the salt and sand off, hang it up to dry, and then turn my waders inside out very carefully to not very carefully not to put too much pressure on the seams and just get everything dried out so that the next time I jump in everything, it's nice and clean and fresh and ready to go. Good stuff. That's a 24 hour routine. Usually (laughs) when I'm fishing a lot, that's a 24 hour routine. So I I like to fish like five days a week. Um, I haven't been doing that recently, but I would like to get back into it. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I understand (laughs) sadly, completely (laughs) and totally understand what you just said. Oh man. Uh, um, we need to we need this lifestyle <laughs> yes yes oh need is the proper term um yeah. you talked about the reels what kind of line are you using out there oh i use 30 pound braid and i just get the cheap reaction tackle braid um off amazon i get a nice big spool of it so it'll last me all year and i just replace the top shot like the casting distance plus another 20 yards so that way, um, I'm not running in, into into any knots while I'm casting. Hopefully, yeah. Um, 
and that's all I do is just replace the top shot as needed, and then the the backing stays on there. It's just thirty pound braid. Nice. Yeah, that's what I run. I run thirty pound braid out here. So completely get Can't that. Can't go wrong, man. Stuff's strong. You're gonna you're gonna be able to get your bait back when it snags on some kelp or a rock, um, or if a fish dives under a rock and you have to like be patient with it. That's probably your best bet for getting that landing that fish and it also casts really well so i think it's like the perfect balance point between strength and castability 30 yeah. pound braid seems to be the standard pretty much everywhere that for surf fishing that i've from everyone i've talked to yeah it just depends on who you talk to i've, I've got everybody between 15 20 30 i've heard a couple 40s but yeah. normally they're few and far between but more 30 and 20 yeah i mean i tried 20 for a while and i I was like, well, it just breaks a little bit easier, so I end up losing a bait once in a while, and it's not really getting me any more distance, so I'm going to go back to the 30. If I hook a big white sea bass and it wraps around a rock, I'll be glad I have the 30, not the 20. That's what, that's what I think. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we talked earlier about it a little bit, but let's nail into the, let's, let's hammer this one down a little more. Um, what are your bait choices or your favorite baits to use? Well... There's really only two that I fish. It's the Battlestar 115 jerkbait and the Texas rigs, the Texas rigs with the super long shanks, so the 3 8 3 8 ounce or half ounce. Okay. And that's that's pretty much it. Um, see, when I started fishing jerkbaits, I got introduced to jerkbaits by Ilya Seltzer. He was he was traveling and, and moving through the state and um, and he was my first fishing buddy in Ventura. And he was fishing Lucky Craft. 110s and 115s and I saw him catching all these fish so I got into jerk jerk baits so um I started fishing the lucky crafts and the Kalisas, and again I just kept snagging and losing them so I decided I wanted a jerk bait that floated really slowly which would basically if nothing else just prevent the line from dragging on the bottom at least I know that this thing is moving my line and my bait away from the bottom not sinking down towards the bottom so i made a bait i made a jerk bait that floats really slowly and it dives to the depth that i want it to dive which is about four feet and if i just give it little rips i can fish as little as two feet so now i can fish water that's two feet deep three feet deep four feet deep five feet deep six feet deep it's going to dive to about four feet if i wanted to but i always have that knowingness that i can pause and it'll just sort of slowly make its way up. And so I can really slow down. And I've never lost one on a snag on bottom. <laughs> That's what's amazing. I've never lost a one to a snag on bottom. I've lost them by casting over rocks that are, you know, protruding, yeah. like sticking out of the surface of the water. If you cast over that and it's covered in mussels, you're probably going to snag it and lose your bait. So don't cast over rocks that are sticking out of the water. Don't <laughs> cast a jerk bait over a jetty or something like that. But... Um, I've I've never lost one to a snag on bottom, so it's That's pretty a win. pretty exciting stuff. So, yeah, I, I figured it out. I, st <laughs> I stopped losing my jerk baits on snags and I catch tons of fish on those things. So I really like my Battlestar 115. If the water's here's my rule: if the water's clean enough, I throw the Battlestar 115. If it's the water's a little too dirty for a jerk bait, then I go Texas rig. The um the only exception to that rule is that I'll go Texas rig just for fun because I just love fishing it sometimes <laughs> even if the water's clean. Hey, we all go back to our favorite man. There, there there's no getting away from that. Yeah. Well, 
you gave me the perfect segue. Um, I'll ask one question, and then we're going to get into Battlestar uh, Tackle. What is your fi- I mean, well, I know your favorite fish is halibut. <laughs> Pretty much based on what yeah. you've said, I'm guessing, anyway. Um, but what is your best eating fish that you've caught out there? Oh, you know what? You're going to find this so surprising. I've decided that perch fillets are my favorite fish meat. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, I've, you know, I was frying them whole just for convenience for a while, and I, I was getting kind of bored of that. And um, I started filleting them so I can make tacos, and then I just realized, dude, I really like this just filleted meat. I just fried a fillet and just picked it up and ate it just as is, and I was like, you know what? This is the best this is the best fish meat I've ever eaten. So I was really surprised <laughs> to discover that after all the halibut I've eaten, all the rockfish, um, I still haven't tried white sea bass because I haven't caught a legal keeper yet. I'm still chasing that. But we'll see how the perch compares to the, the white sea bass when I get one. Nice, man. That'll be this year, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Well, a white sea bass, you know, I'll have, it would be a really, I'd have a hard time catching a white sea bass from shore up here in Santa Lilia. Yeah, I, I got to go down to Santa Barbara for that. If, if you want to catch white sea bass, you've got to be south of Point Conception. So Santa Barbara, Ventura, Malibu, L.A., you know, on down through Orange County, there's going to be a lot of beaches and spots where the white sea bass school and you can find them if you can find them. But um, up here in, up here in San Luis, I'd have I'd be hard pressed to catch a white sea bass from shore. I'd probably do better on, out on my kayak. But I don't think I'm going to be doing the kayaking this year in San Luis because I'm seeing so many great white sharks all around the Pismo <laughs> area yeah. that I just don't want to launch my kayak. <laughs> and I don't have as much fun on my kayak anyways. I'd rather fish from shore. So it's been a little bit depressing for me up here in slow um, because the variety of fish that I can catch from shore is not what it was in Santa Barbara. So I'm adjusting to the perch fishery. It's like, all right, let's just, just focus on the perch. It's good meat. It's in your backyard. It's fun to catch. It's not a halibut. It's a perch. That's okay. Um, and I'm hoping that I can find other things to keep me entertained, like rockfish, cabazon, maybe lingcod, stuff that I can catch from shore, maybe leopard sharks. And then I am also hoping to catch a thresher shark, either from a pier on my kayak if I get brave enough to launch it. Well, watch that tail. That's all I remember about them. Watch <laughs> <Yeah>. the tail. <laughs> yeah, you can get whacked. Yep. Sharks like to whack things. Ugh, jerks. <laughs> <laughs> jerks. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. Um, all right, so let's move into your company. What is Battlestar Tackle? Um, it really is my innovations as I learn to improve. When I see a need, when I'm out there fishing and I see a need that's something that's lacking, I innovate and I say, how would this be better? And I create that product and then I release it as Battlestar Tackle. It's just a collection of surf fishing products that I find superior, you know, better in some way. So we've got the Battlestar 115 jerkbait. We've got the uh, swimbait hook coming out. We're going to call it the Victory swimbait hook. Um, rib baits are, you know, a classic style. You can get rib baits anywhere, but we're going to be putting those out. And um, more importantly is a, a very unique design. I wanna, I'm going to call it the Victory swimbait. And that will solve some problems. So when the Victory swimbait comes out, I think it's going to really... It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna um, be a big deal. 
because it, it actually solves some problems for us as swim bait fishermen. So I'm excited about doing that, but that's that's down the road. Um, I want to do booties, some surf booties for walking miles and miles of beach and just having a thicker sole. Better, better than surfing booties, but they'll be surf fishing booties. So they'll be like surfing booties, but they'll they'll have thicker soles and hopefully be more like um, stingray proof if I can somehow engineer that into it. And then um, the backpack and chest pack thing I found is huge. Right now I'm using the backpack chest pack set made by Allen. It's the same company that makes my waders, and I really like it. But I want to customize it. I want to make it more. I just want to improve it. I want to make it more for me. So when the time comes, I would also like to make the backpack chest pack combo uh, for Battlestar tackle. And we're just gonna see, you know, like whatever I need, whatever I can, whatever I want to innovate, whatever I can afford to produce next. We'll just keep making new products and and putting them out. Dude, that's phenomenal. That's fun. That's fun. I mean, you, you're seeing. Oh my god. You're hitting like the ultimate trifecta of dreams. You're fishing, you're enjoying, and now on the same one, you're seeing a problem, you're seeing a lack. It's like, no, this is what we need. Watch, hold my beer, I'm going to make this. You, yes, dude, you're crushing yeah. it. You know what? I, I just say I'm just chasing my dreams, man. I'm just following my heart, doing what I love, chasing my dreams. Like, I was up in Washington watching these guys on YouTube, and I was like, I'm there, guys. I'm right behind you. So here I am, just chasing my dreams. I just want to fish the California coast, and and I want to learn and be innovative and create products that are better and and just just you know just dream big. You know, it goes all back to all that Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy and all those like NLP courses I took and all this stuff is like you know don't be limited by limiting beliefs. You know, dream big. You, have a big vision. Just do what you really want to do. You know, don't do do what you really want to do in life. Go go for it. Oh man, good on you. Damn good on you. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Like I'm like gushing with them. I'm sitting over here smiling. Never even fish with you, and I'm all like, yeah, this guy freaking got it. <laughs> oh, I'm excited <laughs> for you. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Thanks, man. That's well. I think sharing the stoke is the best part, you know, because like if you do this stuff alone, I have lots of cool projects, and when when I'm doing them alone, they're they're almost boring. But I gotta have at least one person to share the project with. It's one person to bounce ideas back and forth. At least one person to say, okay, what's the next step? That's what keeps it exciting and fun is when you're sharing the stoke with someone. If you do a project all by yourself, I I I got a lot of projects, and I can I can tell you they they get kind of almost like like boring if you're doing it all by yourself. You're not sharing the experience with someone, but when you're sharing it with someone, it's exciting. So yeah, I when you say that you 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 see what I'm up to, and you're getting stoked, and you're excited about it. I I get that, and I appreciate it, and I think that's kind of what it's all about is sharing these experiences, man. Going home after you catch a bunch of fish and texting the pictures to your buddies, posting it on a group on you know facebook you know sharing the stoke i think that's that's what makes it so so much fun so thanks for having me on your podcast so i can share all the stuff with people i hope that it inspires them oh it's going to don't don't you even worry about that i can already think of several of my friends that i know listen to this constantly and they'll call me after the episode a lot of them are gonna be like yeah I'm, i'm in I'm, I'm totally in. We're going west. Cool. Well, they're <laughs> invited. They are invited because I've got buddies who are doing all kinds of cool stuff. You know, Gary Kazazian wrote a book called California Surf Fishing, The Hunt for Big Fish. 
And it is such a game changer. Like if you're south of Point Conception or anywhere in California, you should get this book and read it. It will change your game. Um, and so I told him, hey, as I distribute Battlestar Tackle and California surf fishing gear to the tackle shops along the coast of California, let me represent your book. Let me bring that book into the tackle shops. And he's like, dude, thank you. That's awesome. So I'm also developing a little wholesale distribution now of Tackle. So that's called Tackle Anarchy. And Tackle Anarchy is something that's kind of in the works. It'll be popping off this year. And so anyone that wants to make quality surf fishing products, hit me up. I'll rep, I'll rep your stuff. If I look at it and it's good stuff, then we'll sell it to the tackle shops and we'll, we'll move the stuff. We'll, we'll sell it online. And I want to help people, man. I want to inspire people to do things to, that they want to do and be successful. And I want to help them along the way too. So yeah, if people, yeah, if people are inspired and they want to get involved, and they want to do stuff, you're, in, you're invited, you know, <laughs> contact yeah, me. And go. Let's do it. Well, now that you brought that one up, now it's time for another one. All right. All right. Yeah, you're another bait check. Second bait check of the show. We're 50 minutes in. This bait check has been brought to you by The Sinker Guy. Head on over to thesinkerguy.com and take a look at all the stuff that Chip's making in The Sinker Guy garage. You've got your Sputniks. He's got a few pyramids. He's got a couple other great things still going in there, but not only on top of the sinkers. He's got more than that. He's got lures and rigs and floats. Stay tuned to that because something else is coming big on The Sinker Guy channel and from the garage. I'm not going to blow it on this show because that's his baby to unveil, but it's going to be awesome. So thank you, Chip and the sinker guy. I appreciate you. Always happy to fish with you, and great to have you on with us here on the show and taking care of it. So Sharon Stoke, we're going to rock in here. Let's get into this. Um, all right, so let's. we got that one. We got the, uh, oh, no, that's where we need to be. No, no, you answered it. Well, no. Wow, I'm going to have to edit the hell out of this. <laughs> yes, no, yes, okay. maybe. No. <laughs> it's okay. We have an, ex- an exciting outline that's unfolding we do. on this episode. We definitely do. I've got a lot, of, a lot of ground. I've got a lot of notes. Like I, I'm like, I need a second page. Um, <laughs> so the question I was going to ask you is why tackle? Now, you answered it, and I think that you've completely answered it, but I want to back into this. So you were seeing all the need that was fitting to your style. It was like, hey, look, I yeah. need this. I need to adjust this. If I could have this, it would do this. And that kind of yeah. formed you into this path that you got on. Yeah. When you were doing this, was there, was it a pain in the butt, really, I guess is the best question, for modifying these things that you had to where you wanted them to be? Well, sure. I think anytime you're engineering something, it's going to be a pain in the butt because you're dealing with physics and three dimensions and there's no detail that you can overlook. You have to test everything, experiment. You have to do it, test it over and over and over to find out what works. Yeah, it's a pain in the butt, but if you love fishing like I do, then I think it's a labor of love to put in the time and and do all this experiment. Oh, yeah, man. I I have GoPro videos of me in the harbor dropping every different configuration of swim bait into the water, watching the way it falls, count timing how far, how long it takes to hit the bottom, taking notes, <laughs> you know, like, um, it's pretty nerdy, but, uh, you know, I have videos of me casting like in the park, um, <laughs> all the different types of swim baits just to measure how far they cast. And I, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, I had to set aside an afternoon to do that every time, but, um, but it's also exciting and 
and it's kind of exciting to, to, to even see yourself doing that kind of stuff because it's like, you know, I'm trying to break the mold. Yeah. I'm trying to make something better. And you're doing the one thing that I've, I've said this on numerous different episodes in the show, um, throughout or all my episodes, really, the eternal student. You know, we're all learning from someone. And when we're learning, even with on some, you know, somebody teaches us something or somebody makes a product, we're all looking for a way to become better, faster, stronger, smarter. You know, we want to catch the fish. We want to do these. And you are living it. You're, you are the physical, you're the tangible. (laughs) I'm doing my best. Yeah, you're crushing it, man. Yeah, just everybody's doing this exactly what you're saying. Everybody's learning. Everybody's just trying to learn how to catch fish. And um, I have plenty of failure. I mean, if you follow oh, yeah. if you follow me on Instagram's fishing, um, last few months have been tough for me. You know, adjusting to a new area. You cross that border of the Point Conception, you enter a whole new area of California. Different ecosystem, different everything, different weather, different species, and it's a different fishery. So, so you know, I. I was surprised to see how challenging it is up here for, just to adjust to it, I think. But um, so we're all always learning and we're all going to go through our times where we're challenged and then times where we overcome, you know, we, we do crack the code and um, figure out what works and then start getting more success. And um, I think, yeah, the eternal student, I really, really like that term. I, I think that is like essential to, we do is that we're just always learning more that's the name of the game yeah man i mean it's the only way to be i I had a so when i was at icast i was at uh one of the i was at line cutters um after party and uh i ended up meeting a producer uh, of one of the big names that do they're on tv and um, i started asking him a bunch of questions and he's just looking at me like what the hell's wrong with you (laughs) <laughs> and I finally, I, I finally read between the lines, and I said, "Look, man, I'm a constant student. I'm constantly learning. You're you're in a field that I have no idea about. I know what you. I have an idea of what you do, and I know you have a very important role when it comes to all this stuff because you know you're the one that's making his stuff come to life. But I want to know is what's been good, what's been bad, and you know what are the things. And he kind of paused, and after that, he's like, you know, you got a good point. And then he opened up." I was like, oh god, I need a notepad, man. Can I record you? Like, I, I need. I'm not going to retain this. Well, yeah, because then he could see what you were looking for, what you were needing. You wanted to under, you wanted to see it all for yourself and understand it. So then he was like, oh, okay, well, let me lay it all out for you. Yeah. See it. Yep. And that yeah. that's the same with fishing. You know, when I got into surf fishing, I you know I found it, I found out about it through YouTube, and then I, I fell in love with it, and I moved here down to Florida, and I fell in love with it more, and then got heavily involved in the and it's just been it's been a great family for me yeah, i think is the best way to put it lifestyle yeah exactly family and lifestyle yeah yep so i i'm thankful every time somebody you know anybody like perfect example you coming on you've shared so much knowledge here that has i'm already like okay well i'm going to give that a try out here i've never tried that and i know nobody's doing it here or somebody is and they're not sharing it maybe but everybody is gaining knowledge from somebody and that is something that i absolutely love and i find on that note can I, can I give you can i give a couple of my best tips for fishing please do okay when you fish that the jerk bait when you fish that jerk bait dig it down and then pause it you know dig it rip it so you feel it wobble so that lets you know it's clean it's not like clogged up with 
loose weed or whatever. It's clean and it's presentable. Then just put it on a taut line and just leave it. Let it let it fl slowly float up. So you're basically suspending your bait. Keep it out there as long as you can. Retrieve it as slowly as you can. Keep it out there. So that's my main thing with the, the jerk baits is like, you know, the reason I made that, that Battlestar 115 is so it doesn't snag on bottom. So you can dig it down. If you know there's like a reef, rocks, a bed of eelgrass, whatever, fish it over that stuff. Dig it down and then pause it, let it float up, and then dig it back down, pause it, let it float up, and fish it over that stuff, not tearing straight through it. And it's just a better presentation. You're gonna get you're gonna get a lot more bites if you slow it down like that and keep it presentable like that. Um, and then for the Texas rig, slow, low, and steady. I've said it a million times. Slow, low, steady. Three eighths of an ounce takes a while to sink. So you've really got to be patient with it. Put a bow in your line. This is one of the weirdest tips I give because people are like, what do you mean put slack in your line? You're supposed to keep your line tight. I'm not talking about putting slack. I'm just talking about a bow. So it, what it does is it lets you know that your bait is sinking. It's not, it's not being brought up off the bottom. So you're getting it down low. So just keep putting that bow in your line and then do your slow retrieve and then bow in the line and then slow retrieve and then bow in the line and just do that super slow crawl. Slow, low, and steady is the way to go with the Texas rig. Um, yeah, those are the two tips that I, I really wanted to share with everyone on the fish in the Battlestar 115 jerk bait and the Texas rig. Oh, dude, those are great pieces of knowledge right there. I mean, hell, I'm going to use the hell out of it. <laughs> I, mean, sure. I mean, halibut for you is flounder for us. Shy. Don't don't be shy to cast into the heavy structure. Around, I mean, out here in Santa Barbara and Ventura, if there's rocks, there's kelp, get close to it. Get in there, you know. That's that's what that's the power of the Texas rig. And the, the jerkbait is surprisingly good in those conditions too. A lot of people will swap the treble hooks out for a couple single inline hooks, and that makes it even more weedless-ish. And but I've found that I can take the Battlestar 115 and just cast it straight along the edges of kelp and fish the lanes in between the kelp, and it almost bounces off of the kelp, and it's not a problem. Wow. So don't be shy to fish those things around kelp just don't get them snagged on rocks that's the that's the main thing yeah the old razors of the sea yeah yeah because yeah i mean snagging on a rock is the worst thing that can happen <laughs> it's definitely up there. it's up there <laughs> which is which is why we love fishing so much <laughs> <laughs> there is that. at the end of the day it's just fishing you know like even if you get skunked and have a terrible day of fishing it really is still like the best day <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Because you're fishing, it's, it's like David said. It's fishing is not brain surgery. Be thankful that you didn't have a bad day of brain surgery. Oh, that dude, that is a great way to point. Oh man, that's a hell of a. I love it. Oh, I love that one. Yeah, it's a big relief when he said that to me because I had a bad day of fishing that day. I was like, you're right. It's just fishing. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna take it so heavy. Yeah, I mean, I've watched a couple of your oh, videos God. when you were. I think it was one of your recent ones. Um, you were out with somebody. A, getting after it because that's where i first realized oh wow you wade fish um i thought you were up on the beach and then i started watching more i was like wow you're in the water you're getting after it and that water out there ain't let's exactly warm let's, let's talk about it. i love to wade the waders are great you know because you stay dry comfortable and i'll do that every time if i can but in the hot summer times in santa barbara and ventura i like to put on a wetsuit some wetsuit some and some surfing booties and actually swim out onto rocks like i'll go more than chest deep and hold my rod up over my reel up over the water swim out to rocks and crawl up on the rocks and you have to bring a net with you too 
because if you hook a halibut and you're standing on a rock, there's no way you're going to be able to pick that slippery sucker up. With the, you got to scoop it up with a net or gaff it or something. So wading is – I love to wade. I love to be in the water. If just love the way it feels sloshing me around and the water pressure up against my body. I just love being in the water. I'm constantly wading too deep, and people are going, Vincent, what the heck are you doing out there, man? Back up. You're going <laughs> to get eaten by a wave. But um, I just like the way that the water feels around my body. So I love to wade and swim out on the rocks and fish off the rocks and access access structure that other people don't access. They don't fish it. And that's why I love fishing minus tides. Get out like you can access – you can get on the end of ends of reefs and get out up onto boulders that you can't even see at high tide. So fishing low tide – you can fish the low tide line, which is where I believe a lot of the predators live and spend most of their time along that low tide line. And they'll stay there waiting for the tide to come out and force all the food into their face. So I like to fish the low tide line and I like to crawl out on the rocks in you know, a wetsuit or, or just wade around the beach in my waders. But yeah, wading big time. I'm a big deep wader for sure. <laughs> nice dude. Yep. I've met a couple of them out here uh, and it, it's been pretty interesting to learn about. So if you ever come to Florida, you, you won't even you can go out there in your board shorts and chill. You, you won't be sad. I'm looking forward to it. That's a dream of mine, man. That's one of my bucket lists is to fish Florida. My sister moved out there a couple of years ago, so I think it's in the future to go pay her a visit and bring my fishing pole. Oh, dude, that's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. It's it's yeah, good fishing. Know. All right, so let's cool. la, um, last one, well, last piece of the gear question. What is your personal favorite piece of gear in your arsenal? Oh wow, that is such a interesting question it's a tough one because I, I after i read that gear one i was tackle? like um let's when do both here does that include tackle okay well, well let's let's do support equipment and then we'll do tackle how about that some non-tackle related and then tackle gosh it's so that's such a cool question um oh it's my chest pack oh okay. my chest pack 100 yeah because now your hands free you got everything you need right in front of you it's a total game changer before the chest pack, I was pulling my backpack on and off 10 times a day, getting sand on it, getting sand everywhere. Yeah, get the chest pack. You know, it, nothing. You never have to put anything down on the sand. You have everything right where you need it. It's out of the way. The chest pack, 100%. I highly recommend a chest pack if you don't have one. And I, there's a lot of fishermen out there who have not discovered the joy of the chest pack. The thing is that when if that chest pack has a strap that goes around the back of your neck, and you try to go fish for four hours like that, you're going to feel like it's trying to pull your head forward. It's really annoying around your neck. So that's why I got the backpack that meets with the chest pack. So my chest pack sits on my backpack, so all the weight is on my shoulders, the shoulder straps of the backpack. So I can hang all kinds of stuff off my backpack with those straps on my shoulders, and now I don't have anything like – I don't have a strap wrapped around my neck pulling it forward. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, cause that's so, brilliant. That way it's all distributed the backpack, perfectly. The chest pack – yeah, the chest pack that sits on the backpack shoulder straps, definitely everybody go out and get that. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and yours is the Allen one, right? Yeah, I use the Allen. Yeah. Okay. Allen, I think it's called a Gunnison. There's several different sizes. So you'll find it out there. You'll find the, the – um, You'll find you'll find a nice backpack chest pack combo out there. I don't know the exact name of it off the top of my head. That's all right. I'll find um, it and link it. It's all then good. It's, for tackle, I mean, come on, man. My Battlestar 115 is my baby, and my Texas rig swim baits are like, I I can sit there and just pet them. <laughs> I love my swim baits. So, I've I've there have been times where I was like, 
poor, like really, really, really did not have any money. And I still spent my last 40 bucks on swim baits. I like my swim baits a lot. That's dedication right there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta have... Gotta, there's always a way to justify it, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I'll catch I'll catch a hundred dollars worth of halibut with this forty dollars worth of swim bait. So. <laughs> <laughs> See the perfect payoff. Well, yeah. let's talk about your let's talk about your YouTube channel. Uh, how has YouTube helped you become a better angler? Oh well, yeah. You know, because I'm objectively sharing what I'm experiencing and I'm asking questions along the way. That's all documented. So if I guess if I went out there without a camera, I wouldn't be asking these questions on on cam, and I, I wouldn't be documenting it all, you know, very, uh, you know, visually or and and like where everyone can see it and hear it. So it's it it kind of documents my experiences and everything I've learned and every question I've asked and every experience I've had. So anytime you're writing things down. You know, like that's the essence of technology, right? You're writing things down and you're learning as you go. So it's it's just an, it's just another example of sort of like documenting everything that you're doing. I think anytime you're documenting everything you're doing, you're probably going to refine it. It's going to get better and better. And if you're not documenting, you're not writing it down, there's a good chance that a lot of that important stuff's going to slip right through the cracks. So the recording everything, all my questions, all my experiences, everything I'm learning – that's what what's how it's been so helpful. And then additionally, anytime I have a question, I can just ask it on video, post it on YouTube, and see what comments come up. Maybe someone has an answer for me. So that's helpful too. Nice. Yeah, great, great point, man. Oh, so with YouTube though, because I mean, it is that open forum, and I me, mean, we all understand that. What has been the best and worst thing about doing a channel? Oh, the worst thing is that. When if you go fishing on at someone's favorite spot and you post that video on YouTube, oh, there's yeah. a good chance that they're going to be really offended by that. That's going to give them a lot of anxiety. They're going to get really frustrated with seeing that. So, um, <clears throat> initially, I didn't have any consciousness of that. There was no awareness of it whatsoever. When I just landed in Ventura and started making fishing videos, it never crossed my mind until people started sending me hate mail. So then I realized, wow, you know, there's a large percentage of fishermen out there who are really sensitive about that. And it's probably best for me to go ahead and like respect that and start being, you know, just be sensitive of that and start um, censoring my videos, start cropping things out. And so that's not very obvious where I'm fishing, where I'm catching. Um, I'd rather encourage people, teach people how to find their own spots than to show them, Hey, I'm fishing right here. Everybody come fish right here. I'd rather give them the information of what to look for and, and how to go find their own spots. It's so much more rewarding to hit the sand and find your own spots anyways, then it belongs to you. It, it, you have this sense. It's almost like a weird sense of ownership, but nobody owns the beach. It belongs to everyone. And at the end of the day, I would just leave it wide open and show exactly where I'm fishing and you know talk about spots. And I would be fine with that. That wouldn't bother me. But there, I know that there are so many fishermen that are so sensitive about it. I just want to respect them. You know, They're a part of the community. I want to include them as my friends and part of my community, so I want to respect them. And so I do a lot of cropping and to keep, just keep, don't, you know, so I'm not advertising the spot. I'm just sharing what I'm learning and what I'm experiencing. And then people can take that and apply that to their, their own experience of, of going out and try to find their spots, just like I'm doing, you know? Yeah, man. So yeah, the worst, the worst thing is, is when people, you know, um, is, 
just you know i don't i don't i don't need to go step on everybody's toes i don't want to piss off the whole i don't want to piss off 50 percent of the fishing community by posting a video of their favorite fishing spot so um but you know what that's I, i've learned probably the most valuable lesson in fishing from that experience is like okay so the balance here between those two psychologies of like sharing spots or keeping spots private the balance point is share it with the friends that you trust what it is what it ends up becoming is an opportunity for friendships and strengthening your friendships with trust it's like you know you, you'll share your spot with your buddy that you trust like that we'll keep it private it'll be within our circle that way there's a balance there it doesn't get it doesn't get completely overwhelmed um and i think that's what it's all about is like the friendships that you have that are based on trust, you're building these really meaningful relationships and sharing these really awesome fishing experiences with them and getting to talk about what happened at the spot today or going fishing there with them. It becomes your little, your little group's spot, you know, and you get to share it with them. That's totally different than just blasting it in public. It's a totally different experience and it's just better. It's just it's just better because it's more intimate. Like you have a, you have your group of buddies that you fish with and that you share spots with. And then you have that balance. Everybody, if everybody has their, their spots and they share it with the people that they trust, then I think we have this sort of like network of friends up and down the coast. And it's not like it's rather, if you consider the alternative, what we have is a war. If everybody just starts blasting spots, then there's going to be half of the fishing community is going to hate the other half of the fishing community. And there's going to be a war constantly taking place. Every time someone posts a picture that, that totally, you know, burns a spot, half of the, half of the community is going to light up and get pissed off. And there's going to be hate mail being sent back and forth. And then people get defensive and they start doing it even more. Here's even more pictures of the spot where I caught my fish, you know, <laughs> just to try to punish them. Now we've got a war going on back and forth, and it can, that conflict can actually escalate. We don't need that. It takes the fun out of fishing. So my motto is keep fishing fun and just respect everyone. You know, do your thing and just be mindful as you're doing your thing, not to piss off half the community. <laughs> so I, my thing is just res my whole law in, in life is just respect, respect everything, respect everyone. It's like the only law that you really need. So um, I, I realized really quickly that there was a lot of fishermen that were really sensitive about their spots, unlike me. So I was like, okay, I can, I can just start respecting that. And then um, I think that's, it's, I've created like a, now people on both sides, um, I've, I've, let's just say I, I get a lot more respect from people on both sides because I respect people on both sides of that fence, I'm not taking one side and then trying to say the other side is wrong. Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not playing that who's right game. I'm just trying to see everyone's needs, see everyone's feelings and just respect them as I go, go about my business, do my thing. Nice man. Well, so you gave me the worst part. What's been the best part? Oh, the best part is about making a YouTube channel. Yep. Is you meet so many people and you get so many opportunities like the guys that I was watching on YouTube and I was inspired to even move down here and start, start fishing on the California coast. Now I'm meeting those people and fishing with those people. Cause they see that I have YouTube video too. And they're like, they like, we meet that way. I just meet so many people and I get so many opportunities. Like I, if I go out on the pier, um, there's a high probability someone will recognize me and say, Hey, do you want to come out on my boat sometime? I'll take you out to the islands. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that, how many times that's happened. Or, um, I mean, one guy even said, dude, if you pay for the plane ticket, you can join us out in, like, 
oh, somewhere in South America. Nice. It was like, dude, the, the, the trip is paid for. You just cover your, your airfare and you can come fish with us. I was like, really? Like, that's crazy that you're offering me that opportunity. I just met you. He's like, dude, I've been watching your videos for a long time. And, and I just think it would be awesome if you came out with us. Um, so the opportunities that, that come your way and the people that you meet and the relationships that you build are priceless. And that's the, been the best advantage of, of the YouTube channel. Um, one time I was with PK. He's from up, um, up north in Oregon. And he came down to Santa Maria for a fishing derby. And I was with Edward Tomaloso, and I was with Mike from Mike's Tackle Box, and we were sitting around the table. These are so there's four YouTubers there around the table, and PK said the YouTube channel for him has been almost like a cheat code in life, like like on a video game, you know, up up down down left left right right whatever A B A B. It's been like a cheat code in life. <laughs> you can throw Contra in here. Oh, you good yeah. dude. I love the way he said that though, because he started that channel. And then everybody started watching his videos. Everybody started reaching out to him. Open opportunities opened up like crazy. So um, I thought that was such a neat, neat thing that he said. And that that's my experience as well. Um, you're gonna if you start a YouTube channel, you're gonna meet a lot of people, and your opportunities are gonna open up to you. Anyway, if they like you, yeah, people they, like you. That's the important <laughs> part. You need that one. Well, speaking of that rapport one, is, rapport is always number one. It is. It is. And speaking of that, we need to do this. Bait check number three, your final bait check of this show. Hopefully, you've been listening to this the whole time you've been fishing and you've already limited out. And you're already ready. you got a plan for dinner. you got all this. And if you haven't, hopefully you've moved spots. But I really hope is you really picked up something from here and you've been trying something new. Especially with the text trigger at Jerkbaits. I know I'm excited. This bait check has been brought to you by Sword Fishing Products. Take a look at swordfishingproducts.com. They've got these excellent sets of fillet knives, whether it is uh, serrated, long, short. They've also got their new bait knife. Really sharp, great piece of gear. They've also got pliers and a few other pieces of gear are coming. So make sure you're taking a look at sword product, swordfishingproducts.com and getting hooked up with them. Thanks, Sword. Appreciate you as always. Oh, man. So you nailed all the good stuff here. And now you're down to the very final question. Kind of sad this Ooh, is ending. I'm going to enjoy this. Final question, final answer. All right. All right. Curtain number three. Here we go. What is next for you? I just want to, uh, you know, continue exploring my what's in my backyard. Continue learning. What's next for me is to, is to figure out what's for dinner. <laughs> what's in my backyard that I can harvest? Is it clams, crab, perch, uh, or wild vegetables? You know, whatever. I just I just want to continue to do my um, my human behavior of going out and harvesting wild food, and foraging off out of the ocean and off the land. And as I do that, I want to continue to innovate products that help me do it more efficiently and easier. And I like you know the chest pack backpack stuff and the boots and whatever it takes to to get to make life easier and funner um keep making cool products keep putting them out for battlestar tackle and um the california surf fishing group is going to do all kinds of great things fun stuff we've already done really cool things we had a fundraiser for daniel navarro in february we raised like 500 bucks and just showered him with rods and reels and line and lures um we're doing all kinds of cool stuff and this year I want to do a California surf fishing jackpot derby tour up the coast. So we'll probably pick like 12 tackle shops up on down the coast. And based out of those tackle shops, we'll do a fishing derby. And um, we'll do them on different days, totally different days, maybe even different months. Um, so that way, 
today we're you know down in Orange County doing a derby, and then today we're in LA doing a derby out of this tackle shop, and it'll be a virtual derby. So all the catches will be reported through on the, the California Surf Fishing Group on Facebook, and the winner will get a gift card to the tackle shop that is hosting the derby, and um, just like do events like that. That's what's in the future for for California surf fishing. And for Vinsco's fishing, I'm just hoping that I can get enough subscribers and enough public view hours to make a YouTube partner. So to get into the YouTube partner program so I can actually monetize my videos because I have over a thousand subscribers, but if you look at my videos, they're only, a lot of them only have like 200 or 400 views and um, it's almost embarrassing. So I really need to expand my my viewing audience and, and get more people watching, get more views on my videos and get more public hours so I can qualify for the YouTube partner program. That's really important. So that's in the future as well. Thanks for asking all those questions. And I, I also want to um, just shout out to uh, Sierra Slammers. It's a tackle company. They make these little mini swims. They've been really great to me, really good friends. And <clears throat> So Sierra Slimers, they, yeah, they make good little swim baits that are good for perch fishing. Um, and then also Death by Hook. Death by Hook makes these t-shirts that are, <clears throat> he's taking like people who catch awesome fish in the surf, he takes that picture and he basically makes like a cartoon out of it. It looks really cool. And he makes these t-shirts. So he's sort of immortalizing these fishermen and turning them into legends by putting them in t on t-shirts. And it's super, super cool. You got to go to deathbyhook.com and see these shirts of these guys holding fish. Um, but it's, they, it's just been a really good um, connection, and I appreciate them very much for what they've done for us and the California Surf Fishing Group and stuff. And then um, I want to say thank you to Eric's Tackle, Eric Huff, the owner of Eric's Tackle. He was a mentor of mine in Ventura a good friend of mine and um, he helped me catch fish. He put me on fish in Ventura. He was, he was helping to mentor me. Um, hook, line and sinker in Santa Barbara, Ben Miller and everyone over there. And also uh, in there caught that in Santa Maria. Uh, I want to say thank you to them as well. These three tackle shops have been so supportive and they've become really good friends of mine. So I want to say thank you. Thank you guys so much. And definitely, I'm, I want to send love to them. So, guys, if you're in the area, go mob the shop. Go hit those tackle shops, stock up on your stuff, say hi, and let them know Vince sent you. Nice. Dude, that's awesome. I think it's great that you're, you're giving back, you know, and you're remembering where it was and the people that took care of you. So, thank you. Thank you for being the most oh, genuine thanks. person you are and uh, coming on here and sharing your knowledge, but also just happily giving to everybody. So, I hope anybody that listens to this out on the West Coast will help throughout the whole world. I know that we got several countries listening. I, I hope that they picked up something that that will help them become a better angler. And hell, if they get to Cali, you know, get to be able to go. Wait, I know what happened here. I'm going to try this. So thank you. Yeah. Hey, it's all my pleasure, man. Thank you. Well, we will definitely, I, I know it, we'll be talking again. I have no doubt. <laughs> um, uh, if anybody wants to reach out to you and take a look at your stuff, what are the websites and what's the social media to follow? Oh, Facebook group, California Surf Fishing, CSF. Join the group and um, you'll see Vincent Alexander Chiafalos, the admin of the group. That's the group. Um, YouTube, Vince Goes Fishing. And um, YouTube, you could also Instagram Vince Goes Fishing if you'd like. Uh, yep, 
you can hit me up there. Cool, man. Well, thank you again for coming on the show, and I look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much, Brian. Take care, bro. You too, man. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that this episode brought you some serious knowledge because um, I have a full page and a half of notes. <laughs> I hope you all do too. Uh, a lot of these notes will be hyperlinked back um, on the transistor page and also on findingdemosurfishing.com. You can go back there and you'll see all these things. We will have more of those hyperlinks going in. So if you're looking for any of this gear, you can head over to battlestartackle.com. Like uh, Vincent has said, you can take a look at that. Um, you'll also probably find a lot of it in the California Surf Fishing Group. So if you're looking for any of these things, head on over there, take a look. And if you need anything from us, hey, you, you already know how to reach us here. So. Thank you for always being here. Thank you for checking out the show. I appreciate you. I appreciate your time. And I really am just happy that you're here. So get out there. Go fish. Keep doing the great things you're doing. I will talk to you next week. You've been listening to Finding Demo Surf Fishing. I am out of here. <laughs>